So, hey, welcome back to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. Um, I am, uh, I'm really happy. I, the, the timing could not have been more perfect for this podcast. Um, I'm really happy to introduce Brian Adams. Brian is the, uh, the CEO and founder of a company called PH Creative. He comes from San Diego. And the timing couldn't be more perfect, Brian. Yeah. Two weeks ago, I was down in Miami at a conference and I was with 100 CEOs who said they're having the hardest time finding the right people. And yeah, I was really happy to have this conversation with you today because PH Creative is a company that develops talent engagement strategies and helps companies become an employer of choice to attract the right people. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. You've worked, with, you've worked with Apple, American Airlines, British Telecom, Virgin. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. great companies in there. So take it from here. Tell us. Tell us what you do, what what's happening in the world, and how how I can get these CEOs to to listen to you, so they can start getting the right people. Well, thanks, uh, Craig. And you know, you, you're right; it's very timely at the moment. So we're um, a specialist employer branding agency. So we specialize helping organizations brand themselves to build a reputation as an employer, to develop a proposition um, for um, candidates. Empl- employees and their alumni to be compelled to be drawn towards. And then we work with um, the talent experience. So understanding uh, where best to make the um, the brand experience meaningful and memorable and distinctly different such that, um, you know, we forge a reputation um, as a, a great place, a great place to work. And it's interesting because we, we specialize in work with global brands, but we work with mid-sized organizations as well. And uh, even in this day and age, it amazes us that you know, most organizations we walk into do not have a strategic approach to um, how they uh, find talent um, and how they go to market, how they attract talent, how they take people through the recruitment process. Uh, and then ha- their engagement strategy of how, how they how they keep people and keep them motivated and foster and nurture uh, uh, a culture that is in align with the with the business strategy. So so that's essentially what what we do. What um, yeah, so interesting. At what point does a company say we need Brian? I mean, you know, we're, you know, typically they're calling you either there's a, yeah, something's not working or they want to, at what point are they calling you in and saying, help us? When there's multiple fires that they're trying to put out, usually there's an urgent requirement. Uh, in this day and age, it's not uncommon for, you know, Brian, we need 500 engineers in across America or Europe. Um, how, how, how can you help us? Um, some organizations are, look, um, we're not performing very well. Recruitment is costing us millions. It's taking too long across the board. We need to address our employer brand. Um, but but usually there is, um, you know, an urgent priority need that sparks the engagement. And, you know, we go in, we do a bit of digging and we come back with our initial findings. Uh, it's not uncommon for us to work with a tactical timeline of helping us put sort of um, numbers on the board and sort of go to market with a, a campaign to get people in whilst we're doing the strategic stuff underneath, you know, because typically it can take six to nine months to do an employer brand at a global organization. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but yeah, typically it starts with help, help, help. We need to find people or we need to keep people, you know, that kind of thing. What, uh, so what are companies doing? Where, where, let's just, where are companies missing it? I mean, I, you know, I talked to these folks. I say, look, 
at the end of the day, you want the employees you hire, they want value their lives too. I mean, they want, mm -hmm. they want, they don't just want a job anymore. They want value as well. Where are employers, you know, they started to figure out, Hey, maybe people want to work for cool companies. Let's be cool. Or you know, what are they doing? Right. What do they, what do they need? To well, typically people go to market uh, trying to attract people with um, strengths, benefits, and opportunities uh, they have to offer. Every, every organization wants to put their best foot forward and that's understandable. Um, but uh, I wrote uh, a book, Give and Get Employer Branding, last year, um, essentially to address that very question. And the biggest, the biggest thing on candidates' mind is, do I have what it takes to thrive? And is it worth the sacrifice and commitment? You know, what do you have to offer? That's the give and the get right there. You know, in this day and age, certainly with millennials officially running the world now, um, you know, people are looking for a little bit more than just salary. And actually, there's some certain things that are just hygiene and expected that people still think are competitive advantages. You know, so some element of um, health, uh, flexible working, competitive salary, that's not enough to attract somebody to, to leave a job that they're comfortable with and move over to, to work, work for you. And, you know, getting down to the real derivative grassroots, people are looking for evidence of purpose, impact, and a sense of belonging. You know, and when those things intersect, you know, typically organizations have a choice of three. I call them the three C's when they're trying to forge a reputation as an employer. They can be seen as um, a career catalyst, a place to go to accelerate your career. You can trade on uh, your culture, you know, be a great place to belong and feel, um, you know, a great place to where you can bring your whole self to work. Well, the third C, which is rising in significance and priority now, is this sense of citizenship. So what is your organization doing for the world, the community, you know, your supply chain, the ethics of your leader, uh, your sustainability, uh, your philanthropic activities, so on and so forth. So there's a good, healthy mix there, but understanding how that intersects with the key motivators and drivers of your talent audience, that's where the magic happens, um, you know. Even organizations that have an employer brand, it's not uncommon to be able to take that slogan or tagline and put it on any one of your competitive logos, you know, so everybody could be saying the same, you know, so it's, it's not easy, but, you know, why should it be? Um, you've got to dig deep and find what makes you unique and most relevant to your talent audience if you're going to win this cliched phrase, the war for talent. Mm -hmm. and at the moment, certainly in aviation, you know, we know, there's a pilot shortage. Engineers are tough to please, um, you know, um, and there's a whole other sort of um, array of different talent segments in, in that space that you need a very clear, compelling message if you're going to compete. So I was just on another podcast a day or so ago with a fellow and we were talking about pilots. I said, you know, hey, look, one of the things that, you know, I think pilots, you know, they, they want a little bit of a sense of ownership into the, uh, I mean, you've worked with Americans, so you could, you could probably talk to this. I think they want more of a sense of ownership into the operations, not just, hey, I'm gonna get in and fly this airplane from New York to LA, but I wanna be able to help make the company better mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And they want input, am I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that sense of uh, purpose and impact, 
you know, is uh, is a key is a key driver. You're right with with pilots, but unfortunately, there's you know there there is a short game to this. There are ways that you can uh, be instantly more attractive and sort of win the short game. But for me, what I do know is specifically with pilots, there is a, a long game to be played. You know, so if you look at what's the longevity of uh, this this space. The alumni engagement. So, what do you offer pilots after they leave, and make it easy for them to come back? Or how do you cultivate being the most attractive to young pilots? And what are you offering them early on in their career, which makes you the the employer of choice? You know, so you win 10, 20, 30 years. You know, because we're seeing with changes in um, policy and um, and and law changing radically you know the the industry radically which um you know means there's a, a shortage of, of pilots all of a sudden if there was a if there was a community where you're cultivating and fostering um looking after the the careers of young pilots or offering their families something or something significant outside of just you know the the typical benefits and the salary aspects then you know you have a competitive advantage you know and, and I, th- I think there's a there's a there's a it's a an old traditional space that is ripe for disruption in in my view um you know from a, a long game perspective but you know there's there's a lot of short term opportunities as well yeah you tell me where where companies are going you start out hey like you, you know it's it's a good job and then you go to you know you go to like you know facebook google apple and now they're starting to throw free food everybody's got yeah free food you know and then they go to oh you can bring your dog to work too um you know is that where everybody's got to go is that yeah you know, does everybody have to go you know be outlandish or you know just go way out <laughs> there to get the get the culture and the uh you know what's a leader to do to set you know if they want to set a different culture yeah change I the think... culture what's a leader to do so i mean it's a it's a pendulum, and we've seen the pendulum swing towards the sort of um, the free lunches and all the rest of it, and um, you know, and a lot of that stuff is surface. And we've seen during the pandemic when everybody had to work from home, it doesn't matter about your foosball or your your cafeteria, you know, uh, it's about the sense of sense of purpose, impact, and belonging. Your employer brand needs to be, um, you know, the the, the, the the ultimate test is does it work when everybody is working from home and there's a lot of organizations that you know we work with they say people have never felt closer um than right now because people are working harder to be more human and empathetic and compassionate and working hard mm-hmm. to to put things in place so people do feel better connected and uh compassionate towards life outside of the job and so on and so forth the number one thing is it got to start with um with research you have to um, make your people feel heard and you have to have a really good idea of you know what culture are you trying to foster for the good of people and for the good of the business and without that alignment there's no strategic approach you know but if you if you do that homework initially then you can start to build something that is sustainable that is different and highly relevant to your talent audience and you know and, and that's how you win you know you can you can then play with your personality and character of your brand with confidence because you have the in, insights to back it up you know your audience you know their motivators and drivers mm-hmm. their preferences and priorities you know and it's your job to go to the market with a, a compelling message that resonates you know you've got to get attention but then you've got to create affinity so people need to sort of feel like, okay, this is relevant to me. 
And then through the talent experience, you want to then create affection so people feel emotionally connected to, to your brand. Um, you know, and that's it's it's quite straightforward with a, a strategic approach, but you've got to do the groundwork. You've got to understand your people, what they're looking for, and what's special about your organization and try and bottle it. Um, you know, and it can be a challenge, but it's you know, it's a it's a fantastic journey to go through. What's the what's the drywall? I mean, what's the process to get to develop that understanding? I mean, you know, companies, you know, the, the challenge I think companies have is that, you know, we had one, you know, OEM laid off 1,700 people two, you know, two years ago. Now they're trying to bring, you know, on a whole new team and they're paying big bucks to go get the tech talent. And everybody's kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go to work there anymore. Mm -hmm. So what's the, you know, what's step one to understand the people and step two, the you know, how do you implement, you yeah, know, buzzword, you know, buzzwords, you know, it's got to be more than just buzzwords. Absolutely. It's, you know, it, it needs to be evidence-based and it needs to be aligned from the top down, you know, so you need to understand what's the job the employer brand's got to do. You know, what is the talent required to, um, to fuel the business? So you need an understanding of the leadership view. So you've got an idea of what the organization needs to look like tomorrow. That's the aspirational view. The employee view will tell you the what and all truth about the organization um, because it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And it's really important that you have a what and all view of what it's like. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to understand the brilliance you're looking for, but also the resilience you're looking for. You know, so what character and capability do people need to cope and thrive inside of your organization? You get that from the employee view, surveying, interviewing, workshopping, focus grouping, that kind of stuff. And then the final piece, which is vital, is the market view. What are you up against? What do you need to differentiate against? What's working for your competitors? And where's the, where's the white space that you can step into and own? You know, with those three things, you can calibrate a unique employer brand that is in line with the business and will stand you in good stead for the future. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's the challenge I see now is People are just going out there going, hey, we're going to have a career fair. Can we just go really throw it? Yeah, it's almost like putting, putting gum on the wall. And, uh, you know, they have this career fair with no real strategy behind it, other than we're going to yeah. go set up a tent and a table. And, Absolutely. And, and, and pray. <laughs> yeah. And what you find is if you're on good form that day and you feel particularly charming and you say the right things, you, it, might be, it might be great, but it's not cohesive. It's not a, a consistent brand experience and it's not scalable. And what you want is to confidently go to market with a message that you know will resonate with the right people that are a good match for your organization. So they're going to feel a sense of purpose, impact and belonging and their contribution is going to be significant for the direction of, of, of travel. You know, And that only comes from really understanding the requirements of the business and the key right. motivators and drivers of your people and you know aligning the two you know it's not rocket science um but but it is an evidence-based process process you need to go through yeah so I, I mean i see like you know yeah going back to you you're you virgin you did some work for virgin i immediately virgin richard branson i mm -hmm. mean is is yeah virgin hey cool he's a happy guy i'm thinking mm -hmm. happy company yeah well it's interesting um because with um, with Virgin, you've got a reputation you need to live up to. And the consumer brand is very different to the uh, candidate experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and the work we did for Virgin actually unearthed a huge problem that um, candidates were 
going into the experience with high expectations. They were being let down because their candidate experience wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And they were actually going home and canceling their consumer contract and moving to competitors as a result. Oh my. And it was cost, yeah, it was costing Virgin $6 million a year, and they didn't know. Um, and that was... <laughs> not, only, not only did not only did the interview not go well, you canceled your yeah you, know, you canceled your subscription with us. Yeah, so absolutely. You, you liked us that much. Not only hell no, not just no, but hell no. Mm, so that made them look at it in a whole new light. Yeah, I mean it's it's like you think. I always think about Southwest Airlines. I grew up, you know, I grew up with Southwest Airlines back in the day. They used to give they hand you a bottle of Jack Daniels when you got off the airplane. Thank you for flying business class. There's a bottle of Jack Daniels. They didn't give it to me. They gave it to my dad. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he liked it. But then I think about they're they're struggling now. What are you telling business to do to really go out and attract the difference makers? I mean, how do they really focus on getting that you know, a a a player? So, um, do you know? Uh, you know, I'm uh, based in Coronado, and this is where the Navy SEALs train, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they have something called Hell Week. Yep. And that sounds pretty awful to me. Uh, it's enough to make me run the other way. Um, but actually, a lot of people travel across the country, not despite of Hell Week, but because of it. And the challenge, it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the, the sense of pride of going through the other side of Hell Week to, to become a navy seal Mm -hmm. to get elite caliber talent you have to elevate um the opportunity with scarcity and justify the position with um what it takes to thrive and what the sense of achievement actually requires and that means leave leaning into the harsh realities or the challenges that you might face uh, and appeal to people's sense of impact um you know they assess hey i can do that and if mm-hmm. I can do that, that means that I'm one of the elite, you know, so you can do that in varying degrees, but it means not leading with this is a great place to work. It's all sunshines mm-hmm. and rainbows and there's free lunches and so on and so forth. People want more than that. Yeah, I, I said I thought the same thing. And the one thing, though, the seals do, too, is, hey, look, it's the sense of achievement. It's like an Iron Man. It's like anything where high caliber people strive for. But the one thing about the SEALs, and this is where industry starts to miss it, every layer of leadership in the SEALs is engaged 100% every day. You know, it's, it's you're in it or you're out, police their own. Um, yeah, that's, you know, it's, 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 it's a hard, you know, being a military, ex-military guy myself, you, know, you could, you could you say, hey, look, if you, uh, you're, if your buddy's only not cutting it, you know, the people are going to tell him there's a culture of his peers, her peers saying, you're not, you're not getting the job done, get your stuff together. So yeah. it's, it's almost like a self, self elevation in the business. Absolutely. And there's a lot of correlation between um, military structure and, and how it works, um, you know, in the peer to peer value. And, and actually it's a very good example of a very distinct, strong um, experience and a, a culture. Um, you know, and you can take a lot of um, parallels and synergy from that and how organizations um, are trying to find great talent and foster culture in a high performance environment to, to achieve their goals. And you know, the two things go hand in hand. So there's a lot to be learned from that. And, you know, our approach 
um, definitely gleans on on you know that that sort of thesis, um, which is which is slightly different to how the market works um, mm. traditionally. But we believe that um, the authenticity to be had by openly talking about the challenges that you might face to justify the achievement and the benefits of what's on the other side mm-hmm. is the only way to um, to actually dissuade some people. Um, and, and I know it sounds um, counterintuitive, but if you repel most people and compel a certain section of the audience, those people are going to be much more highly qualified, much more engaged, and, and much more uh, a better fit for your culture. Mm-hmm. I got to think Apple, who you've worked with, mm-hmm. you know, they're, I got to think they're getting a gajillion resumes a month coming through their mm-hmm. doors and they get the pick of the letter. Um, so, yeah, you know, but they've how, got a challenge. You, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you compete against Apple, how do you, if, you, if you're competing against Apple, how do you say, hey, come to work for us? We're going to make your job, you know, your life. And that's a very tough conversation to say, look, you know, if you can hack it in our company, you know, we'll, we'll you know, it's not for everybody. It's very hard. Hmm. You know, it's a very hard task to do. Yeah. I mean, Apple's challenge uh, actually is they inundated with applications, but they're unqualified because people fall in love with an iPhone and think they, they want a career at Apple. But actually, um, you've got to leave your soul at the door. You've got to commit every minute of every day. Uh, there's no work-life balance. It's a real challenge. But for some people, some of the developers in Apple, they'll they'll do a 40 and 16-hour day. They'll go home and just keep coding because they, they love it. They're obsessed. That's not for everybody. Um, you know, um, but what I can tell you about Apple is you'll go there, you'll find out what your true potential is very quickly, faster than anywhere else. Um, you'll work with some of the smartest people in the world and you'll mm-hmm. see your work in the hands of millions of people every day. And that's worth it for a small percentage of the marketplace. Um, you know, but there's a lot of burnout and, you know, and, and if, if you're not aware of that going in, it could be the worst place to work for, for some people. I imagine so. Yeah, but Apple being a trillion dollar, two trillion dollar company, they can afford a few burnouts. I mean, they can afford it. You know, it's it's you're a small company. Yeah, every hire matters. I mean, every hire absolutely, yeah, matters. Um, do you find it challenging to create for these companies to create these brands that are terrific, but they don't they don't scare people away and they don't burn people out? I think every organization we've been we've worked with is, is has a unique set of circumstances and a unique proposition. Uh, our job is to find it. And it's not always compensation is the key motivator. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can go to Google and write some code and that code never sees the light of day. Or you can work for a smaller company and see your work actually be used and it makes a difference. But what I was talking about is well, your process when you're going to a company is, um, is it does it all start with the leadership? And it's like an interview with the leader. Tell us about you. Tell us about your style. Tell us what you're trying to build here. It's got to start with leadership. We've, we've done this a number of times over the years where it hasn't had leadership sponsor and it's always ended in failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs senior buy-in from the top. Otherwise, it, it won't work. Mm-hmm. And it must be aligned with the direction of travel from a business point of view. And um, 
you know, if, if we don't have a good idea of the direction of travel from a business point of view, what you'll get is an employer brand that's fit for purpose now, but it doesn't stand you in good stead going forward. Um, you know, so the, the trick is to balance the aspiration of the brand with the reality of today. So it's authentic and it's valuable to take the organization forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so that's the careful balance of the of the employer brand. Gotcha. So what what are the what you know the new generation? Somebody was asking me today, or you know, the, the quote their quote was nobody wants to work anymore. I'm like, actually, that's not that's not true. Yeah. Um, I find the young generation, the younger generation, you know, you know, you know early career, late twenties, thirties, to be incredibly engaged, to be incredibly motivated. Uh, you know, the only challenge that they have is. Yeah, I'm incredibly engaged and incredibly motivated, but I want my employer to be as well. So there's that quid pro quo between the two of them that they look wrong. Yeah. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, very much so. It's, um, you know, essentially, you know, we talk about the great resignation, resignation, but it's actually like the great epiphany. People have realized that actually I don't want to get in a car and drive for 45 minutes every day to, a, to an arbitrary four walls and do the thing that you want me to do. Um, you know, millennials, I said before, millennials are officially running the world now. And actually, there's an element of, um, in like some call it entitlement, you know, but actually it's clarity, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what it requires is empathy and understanding that uh, this isn't a dictatorship that you can control mm -hmm. the variables. You know, this is a situation where um, it's a, a buyer's market and, um, and, and talent have choices. So to be competitive um, and most relevant, you need to optimize the conditions. And that means listening. And mm -hmm. sometimes that means reimagining how you operate to satisfy getting the best people uh, in, in the door. Um, and that's just the world we live in. So you can try and um, hold back the tide or you can listen and, and move with agility and have a chance at attracting the you know the best talent the best caliber talent in the world and in certain industries uh, there's a huge opportunity to take a big giant leap forward and we were talking about smaller organizations that can't compete with the giants actually smaller organizations have the opportunity to be more agile and flexible mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. and 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 work with conditions where people are more appreciative uh, they feel a sense of great impact and significant purpose such that they wouldn't go to the bigger organizations, you know, for, for double the salary in some cases. Uh, so, that, mm -hmm. so there are great opportunity um, if organizations are, are willing to do the work, to listen, do the research and use insights that really matter. Yeah, I, look, I think that COVID actually did, and in many ways, it did a lot of employers a favor. Mm -hmm. The work from home thing, you know, technology. You know, hey, look, you know, at one point we wanted everybody here in their cube at exactly whatever time. And everybody said, why? You know, personally, I mean, from a personal level, my, you know, I get here, I get to my office about 8.20, but I don't do anything until 10 o'clock. I'm kind of like, you know, <laughs> pushing papers around, you know, girls around, I'm doing some stuff. Um, the work from home thing, yeah, I think it's a great, it, it's helped companies realize, hey, look, maybe we, maybe our people want to be, they don't want to punch a clock. Maybe they want to be graded by what they achieve. And actually, there's a lot of benefits in having people work from home because people are getting up at the same time, but instead of commuting, they're working. 
Um, and, you know, one of the biggest challenges a lot of organizations are having now are faced with is helping people to turn off so they don't burn out. People are working more. I believe it. You know, um, so this, it's been a great sort of social experiment forced upon us where organizations can indeed trust their workforce to actually do the work without people supervising them. You know, and the world's significantly moved on. People want to um, drive their own career and people very capable people can work independently and it's been proven and actually it can be turned into a massive uh, uh, advantage specifically especially if your um, competitors are late to the market late to the table with um, with using that as part of their employer brand message mm -hmm. i'm a big believer in you give people here's your here's what i want you to do here's your job here's what you need to achieve go um i'm not going to monitor you i'm not a home monitor i've got things to do too just yep. come back and tell me, you know, re report back once a week. And that's always been my style. Um, and I think that's what people are looking for. Now there's gotta be some, yeah, there's gotta be some frames around that, you know, yep. but eventually that's the leadership. I think it's going to take the day is people don't want their electronic. They don't want their electronics monitor. They don't want their email monitor. They don't want it. Yeah. They don't want people seeing their keystrokes and doing whatever else. Yep. And that's the ultimate. I think the ultimate trust is what you're saying is it's going to have to be that it's just gonna to have to be that mind shift. Absolutely, and you know, that's the difference between leadership and management, isn't it? And I think um, treating people with more dignity and respect, empathy and compassion is a great place to start. Um, and giving people a reputation to live up to or a runway to achieve, um, you know, we're seeing significant transformation. I mean, you look at the likes of Walmart who implemented an eight year digital transformation strategy in 12 weeks because they had to, you know, uh, and that was with everybody working remotely and, you know, and mm -hmm. it significantly changed their business for the, for the better. Where do you, you think know, it all goes? Where do you think it all goes from here? Does everybody, does, does the office building become, you know, a dinosaur? Well, that's that a lot of organizations are tied into long-term contracts for, you know, multi-story um, buildings that are empty, you know, and, um, you know, you look at the housing economy uh, in the in suburbs going through the roof and people aren't going into cities. But I think it will, it's a pendulum, it's swinging and it'll, it'll swing the other way and it'll find a center. And what you always come back to is the organization that cares about their people most and takes the time to align what's best for people with what's best for business will win. Um, and, and, that will shake out in many different forms over a number of years. But if it's your guiding principle and your North Star, then you won't go too far wrong. You know? But employer brand isn't a one and done. It's a constant listening and moving with the marketplace and, and, and remaining relevant. Absolutely. You know? You know, so it's an ongoing process. Yeah, no, I mean, look, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's like uh, the former, who was, it was, who was a Mayor Koch in New York? He used to get out every week and go, how am I doing? I think the CEO needs to be asking that. I mean, I look at, I was reading the Wall Street Journal, like Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision. You know, all his employees, if he doesn't resign, all his employees are walking out. And, Absolutely. you know, you think about, hey, look, you know, you think who's got the power now, right? Um, Absolutely. It, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a two-way, it's a two-way street in this organization. Or in well, this, it's, uh, this it's interesting, isn't it? Because, um, you know, who, who has who has the power there you know and um if if you listen it can that power can be wielded in a very positive way if you don't 
you know, um, then unfortunately, uh, you, you, in that case, you know, it's to your detriment, isn't it? So, but as you, know, you think about a big organization, General Motors, GE, where you've got a lot of layers of leadership, you're talking about engagement strategy. How does a CEO, I mean, I guess it's, you know, you can't listen to all 50,000 employees. How does a CEO know when a leader's become unengaged? I mean, you know, if you wanted to say, how oh, I want a snapshot of my organization mm-hmm. on any given day, or do they? I mean, is it just something where you just kind of have to hope 80% of your leaders are engaged? Oh, no, it's not uncommon for us to do a survey of tens of thousands of people uh, are having their input. And uh, that's distilled down and sliced and diced by region, division, operating company, territory, hierarchy, you know, and, and that big data view gives you an idea of the common themes that are important at a global level. And then it also gives you the insight of how to localize and tailor for on a, on a, uh, a very local level uh, to, to be most relevant. Um, but, you know, you look at the topic of resilience, for example, um, being resilient in an engineering team is very different to being resilient in a sales team, but it's still resilience and it you know it shows up across an organization. Or, you know, it might be, um, you know, if you look at Apple compared to Microsoft, on the face of it, they're two massive tech companies. Microsoft is very structured and hierarchical. Mm-hmm. Apple has virtually no structure whatsoever, believe it or not. It's very relationship and network uh, based. So if you don't take the time to get to know somebody in Apple, they won't help you. If you take the time to get to know somebody in Apple, they'll go to war with you and they'll be the most loyal sort of, you know. Um, Somebody who thrives in Apple probably wouldn't like the constraints you'd find in the hierarchy um, of Microsoft. Somebody who thrives uh, in Microsoft wouldn't like an unstructured nature of Apple, you know. So it's, it's understanding the global view and how it sort of filters down, and on a, a global scale, um, you know, it's 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 complex, but um, it doesn't mean the strategy isn't isn't simple and, and, and scalable. And you know, that's that's it. All goes back to the research and the distillate, distillation process, and just applying the right strategy. So I, I take you're very data driven. You're a very data driven company. You're going Absolutely. in and you're doing surveys and you're slicing and dicing everybody by division, level, oh, and uh, and then coming come to the CEO with a conclusion that says, hey, uh, let's absolutely. I mean, we win awards. We win global awards for our creativity. Um, but underneath that, the surface of that is data. You know, and we optimize the conditions. We know uh, with a certain degree of uh, confidence that when we go to market with a creative concept, it's going to resonate with the audience because we've, we've done the research. You know, but data tells you what people tell you why. So even when we've done the big data view, we listen and we learn and we try and understand why and, and get the human elements of uh, what the data is telling us. And that's where the magic happens. So here's a dumb question, but I'm not so sure it's dumb because it's, it's, it, I'm starting to see it. You talk about data and you talk about culture and ultimately through data, you can sort of figure out who you are as a culture. And then you can start to figure out, hey, who we're attracted to, who thrives in our organization, who doesn't. So you've got these tests out there the you know the the Briggs you know was it Myers-Briggs so you've got the other you know the performance index the PI do companies just start to say hey before you come to work with us take this test and let's is that be, I mean is that literally going to become the first step in the hiring game mm-hmm. um take a test yeah let's so see. we've we've done 
many incantations of, of that type of thing. You know, we've built escape rooms, digital escape rooms and physical escape rooms to see how people physically experience a, a brand and how they think and how they work through problem solve and so on and so forth um, to see whether they're a, a good match. But more organizations now are hiring for culture first and capability and skill set and experience second and it's definitely the smartest way um you know and those sorts of um quizzes and tests are used right at the top of the sort of funnel if you like for, as a, a screening methodology before you get into the um the more costly exercise of interviewing and so on and so forth so yeah absolutely yeah. but those those tests are only valuable if you know with clarity who you are and who you're looking for. Right. Do more companies need to go down that path and figure out, hey, who we are, what we're, you know, why are we, who we are, what we, why are we here? The world's changing. I mean, are yeah. enough companies doing this, going through this exercise? Well, it's a, it's a very data-driven world now, isn't it? But um, the, the big pitfall, the, the, you know, the sort of the minefield there is, um, is the culture you've got the optimum culture to take you where you want to go? You know, and quite often that answer is no, you know, so you can brand an organization for who you are now, or you can brand an organization for who you are and where you're going. And, you know, that's, that's the, the smartest approach. What you want to be, here's what we want to be. And you hire the people who are going to, you know, take you to yeah. where you want to be versus. Yeah. And, and it has to be authentic. So you can't just lie and say, that's who we are when you're not, because then you'll find people will join and leave because their expectations have, have not been met but being open and honest for take this topic of diversity for example mm -hmm. um people want to join diverse organizations because you know it's been proven that um you know it's a more high performance culture and from an ethics perspective people believe that's the, the you know organizations with with more diversity are a better place to work um but if you don't have a, a diverse workforce you can't say you have um but of course it doesn't change unless you do something about it. So the message there is the conviction to change and evidence mm -hmm. that you are um, following a path and a journey towards where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And then people will choose to join with their eyes wide open, knowing that they can make a difference and contribute to change. Right. And that's authentic and aspirational. Well, I look at what G I look at Mary Barrett's trying to do with GM. I mean, she's trying to take GM from this big, dirty, we make cars company to you know, this old Detroit, whatever that thing was to this new green, we're going to be on the cutting edge of battery technology. I mean, it's yeah. a good honor. I mean, good honor. And she's got a very, you know, she's a very capable CEO and she's creating a very, you know, GM, the ultimate car company. They went bankrupt because they were that, they went bankrupt three times and they couldn't figure yeah. out, well, maybe you guys didn't have any diversity of thought in there. You're all those Abs car guys. Absolutely, yeah. Done a great we, job. Yeah, we, we work with uh, GM. We're proud of the work we're doing and they're a fantastic organization. Is that good, good for you? I didn't. I didn't realize. I, I didn't realize you were doing that work for you. That's cool. But I, I love what she's doing with that company, and I'm a big believer in the same thing. Diversity of people brings diversity of thought, mm -hmm. and diversity of thought creates better solutions. And it's a very look. If you want a bunch of groupthink, you know, you, you, you can go find that in Congress, right? Um, you know, a bunch of you know, Republican Democrat group groupthink. Not going to get political, but but at the end of the day, diversity of opinions brings much better solutions. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great thing. Absolutely. L last question. So, you know, a company realizes that they need, they need, what's the process? What do they do? I mean, they, they, they obviously they, they're powwow and they're calling you. 
Does it start with a survey of the company? Does it start with an interview of the leadership? And, and then how does it filter down? And then how long is the process? And what's it ultimately look like at the end? Yeah, so I mean, uh, an employer brand, strategic employer brand project can take anywhere between, you know, six and 12 months, you know, typically seven or eight months to do it properly. And I'm talking of working with a, a global organization and sort of assuming some element of a complex talent audience. It starts with, we call our seven Ds. It starts with the de determined phase. We, you know, we determine what does success look like? Um, what are we trying to achieve? You know, look at the gap analysis of where you are and where you need to get to and you know, where are the fires we need to put out and where are the opportunities we want to work towards. And then we go through our, our, um, our, our sequence with discovery, um, distillation, um, director strategy developers um, bringing it to life, so on and so forth. So a, we have a, a methodology to, to walk any organization through, but it always starts with understanding what does success look like? Where, where are we now? Where do we need to, to get to? And that consultation allows us to create um, a strategic plan for the leaders to buy into and make sure that uh, you know, we're covering the bases from uh, an attraction, uh, engagement and retention perspective. You know, every, client's, every client's different, but the methodology is the same. Gotcha. And six to 12 month process. And at the end of the day, uh, we're off and rolling. Yeah, I mean, but it's, you know, going right back to the start of the conversation, Craig, it's not uncommon for somebody to, you know, say, look, we know it's a strategic project. We know it's going to take six to 12 months or whatever, but we need engineers or, or we need uh, technicians. Like, now can you help us? So typically what we do is a tactical creative campaign in the name of research where we go to market with what we think might be the right thing. We test the marketplace to see how it works, to put some scores on the board and supplement the research. And that's not uncommon at all. What about last question? What about it in universities? I mean, obviously, you know, you know, companies sometimes just target their favorite university and they're always, mm -hmm. you know, is there a better way to go to market when you think about the, 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 the young folks coming out? Is there a better way for the young folks to target the companies that are, that, that they're attracted to? Yeah. I mean, universities are tried and tested. The challenge is um, from a, certainly from a diversity perspective and a sort of limited supply perspective, um, you know, now it's, it's a very competitive environment. So the chances are the big tech companies or the big names in your sector are going to sort of uh, snatch up all, all of that, that young talent. And actually there's a lot of other uh, sources, different communities and different um areas of talent and expertise elsewhere um, that you can fish for talent or uh, foster talent, nurture talent at a younger age. Um, and, you know, there's, there's different ways of, of going about it um, with, with a little bit of creativity and insight and knowledge of the talent um, marketplace. But, you know, universities are, are always going to be a good place to, to start, but it's not the be all and end all. And if you do do that, you're going to get a limited supply. You're going to pay top dollar to, to compete with big competitors and you're going to get a less diverse source of of the talent in the in the process gotcha and then how do you know do how do people best brand themselves to find the the right company for them yeah so personal branding it's an interesting topic but so you know now people aren't applying for jobs they're, they're shopping for jobs they're interviewing companies the mindset has, has changed so you know my advice is to look at the career website understand the uh, the values and the proposition that is published on most career websites and see if there's some affinity and alignment mm -hmm. um you know and don't be too eager to accept a job because of the salary and so on so, so forth you know and 
people are researching on average six to eight hours um, for, for every brand that they think about applying for. Um, you know, using the likes of Glassdoor or comparably to see what people are saying. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say, take your time to understand what it might feel like uh, to, to work at a place and optimize the conditions. If you get an interview, ask smart questions based on their culture, their values, uh, their mission and purpose, um, and try and stand out um, by telling stories that mirror what they're looking for. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. How do folks find you, Brian? Good question. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. I think it's Brian with a Y, Brian Adams, like the singer, number one on LinkedIn. Or if you if you type in ph-creative.com, you'll go straight to our, our website and uh, you know feel free to make an inquiry and, and reach out. My email is brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at ph-creative.com. Thank you for coming on. Great, great. I love the topic. It is, like I said, you know, for listening for, for 36 hours of people going, we can't find good people. I'm like, it's because you don't have any, you're not doing, you're not doing what it takes to get the right people. Well, it's an absolute a, pleasure to talk to you, Craig. Thanks for having me great, on. It's a great topic. So, um, Brian, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you very much. And uh, we're going to do this again soon. Match it. Thanks, Craig. Thank I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.